Good morning. I love you too, Brent. When I was watching you dance during that last song, I was thinking, God, you weren't David because you were fully clothed. I was like, I want to welcome everybody to see you again this morning and let you know that we are extremely uh, glad that everybody's here again. And uh, it's been an awesome weekend so far. Uh, I think even if you set aside... Even if you set aside lessons and things that we've been able to learn and looking to God's word, uh, being able to worship together has been extremely uplifting. And uh, it really is one of those things to where I'm teasing Brent, but you know, you think about David dancing around naked and everything David went through and everything that he did. And he still had this passion and this fire and his heart for God because he knew what God had done uh, over the course of time and what he had done in his life. And so whenever we worship, I know sometimes for some people, especially if you've never been around exuberant worship before, you may not exactly understand why, but when people's lives have been changed that much and they were so desperate for God and so desperate for something different, when they have a chance to celebrate that, you know, you celebrate it because it was something you longed for for so long. It's like the Cubs winning a World Series. They're gonna celebrate for another 108 years because that's how long <laughs> it's gonna take for them to win another one. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things to where it's, it's exciting. Uh, so there's a few things I wanna tell you about before we kind of jump into the lesson. One being, don't forget uh, Boyd's Books, some great resources back there. If you need a Bible, there's some incredibly good prices on Bibles. There's like the softest Bible you've ever touched back there. You should check it out. Um, <laughs> I know that sounds creepy and weird, but it's true. Uh, it's the softest Bible I've ever touched. So, uh, you know, you can check that out. Also, registration uh, for our, our adults. It's $5 for the registration for our campus people. If you haven't registered yet, make sure you register because uh, that registration is part of the way that we help cover part of the cost for family vacation and try to keep that price low. And so let's make sure that we're getting everybody to register, things like that, because it will, in the long run, make it cheaper for you in the future because you won't be paying more for family vacation. So uh, let's make sure we're on top of those things. And Carol's telling me, lunch. Yes, we're gonna have lunch provided today, so don't leave. We actually got enough that if our adults want to eat, you can. We would ask that the adults kick in like three to five bucks if you can. You'll get uh, five bucks, Dad says. Uh, you get three chicken strips, bread, fries, and a drink for five bucks. So it's gonna be, and it's from Cane's. So, you know, it'll be uh, cheaper than you could go buy it at Cane's for yourself. Huh? Courtney, will there be plenty of sauce? Yes, there will be plenty of sauce. All right, so is, am I good with announcements now, except for the big one? All right, so before we get into the lesson, I wanna, we're gonna make an announcement for you guys today. So as you know, every year we do family vacation over Martin Luther King weekend in January, right? And we're doing it again this year, but this year we're having a little different twist. Let's go ahead and pull up this logo and I'll explain it to you. So this year, family vacation is January 18th to 21st, and the theme is generations. And part of the reason the theme is generations and the reason that that says reunion weekend under it is because of this. It's our 10th anniversary of family vacation. Uh, so it's exciting. So what we decided would be awesome and exciting and something you see a theme of throughout the Bible and the Old Testament is they celebrate the, the generations before. So it says reunion weekend because we are asking all of our alumni to join us from all of our campus ministries at family vacation this year. So. <laughs> So I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, and also, you know, we all know, not to somber things up, but we also all know that there are a lot of brothers and sisters who haven't held on and who haven't made it. And they've forgotten what it was about. And they forgot how good it was to taste of the Lord and see how different life is. And they've walked away. 
And this is gonna be an opportunity for us to reach back and say, hey, come to this weekend. Come celebrate with us. Come be with us. And it's a chance for us to be the kind of older brother that the older brother in the prodigal son story should have been. It's an opportunity for us to invite them home and to celebrate them being there. So if you're one of our campus alumni and you still have connections with people, this is a great opportunity for you to reach back to those people and say, hey, remember family vacation, remember doing this, remember going to this place, that retreat, come with us and celebrate this weekend with us and let's see what God's able to do through that. It could be extremely powerful. One of the things I remember uh, more than anything when I was a kid is when we as a church did a thing called the Far Country. We met in the Unitarian Church building in Alton and we reached back to people who have walked away from God. And I remember even just seeing those faces and it was exciting. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for us to have that reunion. It's a great opportunity for us to be together. For our younger college students to be able to look at some older men and women of God who have hung on, that's encouraging. To see our alumni's families and that they're different than what they ever thought they could have had, that they're good parents, they're good moms, they're great dads, good husbands, great wives, like to look at that, for our alumni to be able to look up to, I mean, our students, current students to look up to our alumni like that is all incredibly powerful. So let's uh, try to make it plans, get plans to go, because it's going to be an awesome weekend. They're going to have to get us a bigger room, I think. Um, so maybe that wall won't be there. Um, yeah, we broke the wall, so it doesn't going to be there anyway. So uh, all right. I want to play a, we're going to play a song for you if we can get the lights and uh, I want you to pay attention to the lyrics because it's going to kind of tell the story of what we're going to talk about today in a sense. So we're going to play this song and then we are going to uh, get into the lesson. We will not serve your God. Jehovah is our King. Serve your God, Jehovah is our King. Nebuchadnezzar had built him an idol of gold. It was ninety feet high. He gave the order that everyone fall down and worship, or else they would die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Was the rage and with men who he wanted to die. Taking them fire, he turned it up harder to kill them. He drank it up high. Thrown in the fire to have them torched. No one was hurt, they were not even scorched. We will not serve your God. We won't bow down. Serve your God, Jehovah is our King. So many idols and evil directions are given to us in our day. Every day, we make decisions that alter our 
pathway forever to finding our way. Satan is crafty and selling sin. We won't be taken, no, we won't give in. We will not serve your God. Serve your God. Jehovah is our key. God is able to deliver us. No matter how hot anger is, But even if He does not deliver us, we won't bow down in a million, million years. We will not serve your Serve your God. Jehovah is our King. We will not serve your God. We won't bow down before your image. We will not serve your God. Jehovah is our King. Jehovah is our King. Jehovah. So, uh, kind of tells the story in a nice, succinct way. Uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about together in Babylon and this idea that, you know, while we are surrounded by a lot of things out in the world uh, that, are, that Satan means to destroy us with, we have some tools and some resources that have been given to us in order to help us make it through those times. And one of the greatest tools that God has given you is the people who are sitting right next to you in your seats. Look around for a minute at your campus ministry and the other campus ministries that are here. God has placed these people in your life for a very specific reason, because you need them. And we tend to be very independent people, and what we think is we're, we don't need anyone else, and we can actually be very defensive about that, and we can push people away, and we want to pretend like our relationship with God should only be between us and God. And while there is a sense that you are responsible for that, and there has to be this very deep connection, God put people in your life because you need them. As a matter of fact, in, in scriptures, Jesus makes it very clear that if you are not in right relationship with your brothers and sisters, that causes a rift and an issue in your relationship with him. That's why he says things like, look, if you're not unified or you have a problem with a brother or sister, stop offering sacrifices, stop praying to me, go deal with that issue first, come back and make it right with me because God understands the importance and the desperate need that each and every one of us have for a connection to someone else. And that couldn't be any more true than it is whenever it comes to us living in a Babylonian type culture. You know, we talked to, in my class, for those of you who are in it, we talked a lot about the fact that when you're in a university, uh, generally speaking, that university is going to uh, tend to slight and tend to lean against God, against Christianity, against the things that we believe, the doctrines that we hold, the things that the Bible, the word of God would say to us. And so you're already in a hostile environment just from being at a university most times. That's not always the case, but generally speaking. On top of that, you're living in a Babylonian culture in the sense that you live, if you live in the dorms, you live in the apartments, you go to classes with these people, you hang out with them on the weekends, it is a, a very godless culture that we live in. 
It's a very godless culture we are trying to affect for Christ. And so you go there and there are lots of pressures. You know, you're, you're in the dorms. There's lots of sexual temptation and pressures that are there. And everything is a free-for-all. It doesn't matter who you're with, when you're with them. And, you know, it's, it, it, in, in our culture, it just doesn't matter. Go have fun, do what you want, make sure you're pleased and you're satisfied with whoever you please. And so you look at that and it's very easy to buy into that type of lifestyle. And, and that's the same way that it would have been in Babylon. It was not a, in any way a Christian nation. You know, when you go to school, there's lots of, there's alcohol, there's drugs, people are smoking weed, people are popping pills, you know, all of these different things. And you think about what's going on in the culture around you, it is a difficult place to be a Christian. And if you're by yourself, it is nearly impossible to do that. You know, it is one of those things to where you are going to struggle. And sadly, so many people, even in our ministries, what they do is they go into this Babylonian type culture and they're not alone. I mean, look at this room, you are not alone. I don't know that there's anybody here who has one person in their campus ministry, right? But why do we function so many times like we are the only person in our campus ministry? Why be a part of a campus ministry if you are functioning independently? You are not helping yourself nor anyone else. You're not helping the lost and you're not advancing the kingdom when you pretend that you're going to do this all on your own. You need your brothers and sisters. And I say this from experience because that picture that's up there probably looks pretty familiar to, our, to a lot of our people and to some of you. Because at Lindenwood, we went through some things that were pretty rough at one time to where we had 13 articles written about us in the course of three or four weeks, where we had our students have trash thrown at them on campus because of what they stood for and what they believed and we were smeared and we were lied about and we were, and we were pressured and persecuted on campus. And they were wanting us to sign a document that said that we wouldn't proselytize, witness or evangelize to a student while they're going about their business or we were going to lose our student organization, organization status, which we did because we refused to sign that document because we were not going to bow down to the pressure of the world that said they were gonna keep us from doing something that we had committed to do when we gave our lives to Christ. And so we took this shirt and we put it back in the day, an ACB on those people's shirts and we wore them proudly around campus because we had made a decision that we were going to be in this thing together. And I remember, uh, you know, the first day the articles came out, it's funny because I don't know if it's like this at your campus, but really nobody reads the campus newspaper, right? You know, they would put stacks of the Lindenwood legacy out on these uh, racks and there would be stacks of them for weeks, right? Until the next edition came out and then what do they do? They come grab them and they throw away all those things that nobody read in the first place. And, and, but the day that the articles came out, the front page articles came out about our campus ministry, trashing us on campus and lying about us repeatedly, for some reason, all of a sudden, they had newsies out, handing out the papers, like, la, 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 you know, here, take this, take this, read about it. I'm not kidding, you think I'm exaggerating. Well, the day the article came out, uh, Ben and I and, and a bunch of us were sitting in the office, and our students start showing up in the office, and I'm like, this is kinda cool, I mean, it's early in the morning, but they're supposed to be in class, and I start noticing they have on their Across Between shirts, and I'm like, what in the world? So we start talking, and what I find out is, that when they saw what was in the papers, several of them went back to their dorms, took off what they were wearing for the day and put on their shirts 
that were gonna say, we're not going to back down, and they did it together. And we refused to bow to anything, and they banded together. And we wouldn't have made it through that time if it wasn't together, because it was rough. And during that course of time, you would think everybody would bail, nobody left. We stayed together, and we fought. And, and we're still around. We're not a, an official organization. We're the, we're the largest, mo most active not student organization at Lindenwood University. <laughs> you know, and, and lives are being changed because of it. Because God loves us, he protects us, and one of the ways he loves and protects us is by giving us, and giving us one another. That's how we feel loved, that's how we feel protected. So, what we're gonna talk about today is how are some of the ways that being together, I want you to comprehend and understand how being together allows you to be able to be more effective on campus, to be able to hold on during those difficult times, to be the kind of man or woman of God that you committed to being when you went down into that water and you were raised up to a new life, calling us back to that, but also remembering when you did that, you were added to, not only, you weren't only added to Christ, you were added to the family of Christ. You are added to the body. You are added to something where you are together. And that's one of the greatest gifts we could ever experience. So we're gonna talk about that, uh, how being together helps us to make it through Babylon. Uh, in Daniel chapter one, verses one, 11 through 13, it says this. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants, all right? So Daniel doesn't just say, test me, right? He doesn't say, I'm doing this alone. Daniel says, test your servants. And he was talking about, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And here's Daniel and they're saying, you're gonna eat this and you're gonna do that and you're gonna learn this. And Daniel's looking at this and he's looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and he's going, I'm not doing that. Are you guys doing that? And they're like, mm -mm. <laughs> I'm not no part of this either. So Daniel goes to this guy and says, look, we aren't gonna participate in this. Test us. See, one of the things that being together does is being together inspires confidence. It, there's something about having people at your side and knowing, you know what? We can do this. We can make it. And, and I think about, you know, you, you've seen this before with, with guys, right? Guys are nervous about talking to a girl. So they're like, hey, let's all go over there as a group. And you see like this group of guys like, you know, hey girl, you know, and they're all with their buddies, right? And girls, you can laugh all you want, but you have to have confidence and have a group go to the bathroom with you so you can hit the seat, toilet seat, right? So... There's something about being together that inspires confidence, you know? It, and, and you think about it, you, you know, people ask all the time, why do girls have to go to the bathroom together? Well, a lot of times when you think you're in a group, you're in a crowd, right? And you're like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Hey, come with me. Because we have insecurities and we have fears. And there's something about having someone by our side, even going to the potty, that inspires a confidence in us that we feel more comfortable. And knowing that you have brothers by your side and Satan is tempting you and he's trying to throw all this stuff at you and he's trying to defile you and you know what God has said not to do and what's it. And so when you're sitting in your dorms and Satan is throwing the world at you and he's saying, hey, let's go hit this party up. Let's go do this. Hey, they're watching, they're watching something down in this room that we shouldn't be watching. They're smoking this, they're doing that. And, and, and you look around and your campus ministry's by and you're like, no, nope, we're good. It's a lot easier to have the confidence to stand up to something like that when you have your brothers and sisters by your side than when you're standing there by yourself and they're like, hey, let's go do this. And you're like, man, uh, and you get that insecure feeling. You're like, maybe I should do this because 
they're gonna think I'm weird if I don't go with them now. They're gonna, and, but when you have brothers and sisters by your side who hold those same things, and you look at them, you can be confident in the fact I'm making the right decision. And you start out from the very beginning of the story in Babylon with Daniel. He, it's not about just Daniel. He says, nope, we. He says, we are going to do this together. Test us and let us, let us show you what God is capable of. See, being together inspires confidence. The second thing that being together does is it allows me to accomplish more. At the end of that chapter, it says this. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered into the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. See, whenever you look at Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, and it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, he's saying you can accomplish more with other people around you than you can on your own. And here, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they decide they are going to stand together and they're gonna, they're gonna hold on to what they believe and they stand together and because of that, they're able to, because of that union, that unity that they have with one another, they're able to accomplish more than any other person that was there, any servant, any of these slaves, they're able to do so much more and the king looks at him and goes, how are these guys so wise? How are they able to answer these questions so well? And, and God's looking, he's like, well, I, I let it happen and I gave them each other to be there together and they were able to accomplish this because they locked our arms together and they stood their ground and they were confident enough to do that and now they're accomplishing more. And so the king says, these are the dudes I want. And he gives them more responsibility and with more responsibility also comes more influence. You see, if we wanna be able to have influence in Babylon and we wanna be able to accomplish more in the world and the communities that we're a part of, we need one another because we are able to get a better return for our labor when we're doing this together. Fighting alone and doing things alone is, I think about whenever I, we've been working on this house that we bought for over a year and it has been crazy. And the days when I'm out there by myself, I'm like, doo, 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 you know, I'm supposed to be working. The next thing I know, I find myself on the mower again for the third time that day, like riding around the yard, you know, this is fun. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing these other things, but when other people were there, I was like, okay, somebody's here. I got to make sure this gets done, you know? And so we're like, we're working and we got more done because we were together. And as a campus ministry in Babylon, if you want to accomplish more on your campus, it is a necessity that you are together, that you have people by your side because it will inspire confidence and it will allow you to accomplish more than what you would be able to do on your own. The third thing is that being together lightens the burden. It makes things easier. In Daniel chapter two, verses 17 through 19, Daniel is about to go before the king and there's a heavy burden on his shoulders because if he goes to this king and he doesn't tell the king what he needs to know, guess what's gonna happen? He's done. He, they're gonna, he'll, he'll be killed. And that is a heavy burden to bear. And so Daniel, what does he do? Does he go and handle it by himself, this burden? No, he goes to his brothers and it says in, in verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, I'm sorry, <laughs> verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. 
During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. You see, there was an extreme burden upon his shoulders to be able to have this answer, and he goes to his brothers and he says, listen, I need help with this. I need you to go to the Lord. I need you to pray. I need you to beg the God of heaven that he will reveal this mystery to me, because if not, I'm done, and you may be done too. And so together, they pray, and together, they look to the king of heaven, and they say, God, help us with this. And what does God do? He listens. And he says, all right, here's the answer. And they're, and they're saved. In, Je- in Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, so many times we're trying to shoulder the weight of everything that's going on in our lives all alone. You're trying, to, you're trying to shoulder the weight of the struggles that you're having with grades, that you're having with your family, that you're having with lust, that you're having with temptations, that you're having with whatever it might be, you know, the doubts that you have about yourself, your, your lack of faith in God or your questions, and you're trying to, to do it all on your own, and you're piling it all on your back, and you're slowly being forced to bow down, whether you realize it or not, you are being forced to the ground. And the way that we're able to have that burden lifted is by going to, together to deal with these things. Looking at the example of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they, something comes up, and the first thing they do is they go to their brothers and sisters, and they say, hey, I need your help, and we need God's help if this is going to be accomplished. And so we have got to, we've got to pull together in order to lighten the burden of what we're dealing with. You are not going to save the entire campus on your own, but the burden of, of evangelism is much lighter whenever you have your brothers and sisters there with you. It makes everything lighter having someone by your side. So being together inspires confidence. It allows me to accomplish more. It lightens the burden. And being together allows me to stand rather than to kneel. So some time passes by, right? And, and they've been a part of this and, and they decide they're gonna make this golden statue. And this golden statue, they're supposed to, when the music plays, they're supposed to bow down to this, stout, this statue and worship it. And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this causes an issue, Right? Because they, they know they're not supposed to bow down and worship anything except God. And if they were on their own, it would be very difficult not to give in when you're looking at the entire city, when you're looking at all of Babylon and the music starts playing and all of a sudden everybody hits the ground. How difficult would it be to be the lone person standing there looking around going, oh man, what do I, I guess I, I don't and, and we would like to pretend and we like to say, no, I could do it. I could stand on my own. But the honest truth is, if you could do it on your own, you would be doing it on your own. And, and it's hard enough when you have brothers and sisters by your side not to bow to, the, to Satan and to the pressures of this world. It's hard enough when we have people with us on our own, we do, we're not able to make it. Daniel 3, 12. But there's, they said, there. The scribes that come and they talk to the king and they say, there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither, neither serve your gods nor worship the image of the gold you have set up. And they look and they say, man, the attention is drawn to these guys because they're together and they're not bowing. You notice there's not one name there. There's three names. And they say, these three dudes aren't doing what you tell them to do. They're refusing to bow. They are refusing to worship because they were locked arms together. And that picture, I love that, I love that picture there because it just gives you this idea of what 
it would have felt like and what it would have been like to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as everyone else hits a knee, as everyone else is doing what they're told and they're standing there defiantly saying, "Uh uh-uh, not happening. I'm not bowing. That's what our campus ministry should look like. We need to have one another. We need to be shoulder to shoulder in this saying, no, I am not giving in to Satan. I'm not giving in to the world. I'm not giving in to the things that destroy the lives of everyone around me because I know I have a greater God, the only God who I'm going to worship. And being together allows me to stand rather than to kneel because I have the support that is necessary. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this, two are better than one, and then it says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. See, if you wanna stay on your feet, you need your brothers and sisters next to you pulling you up. You know, it's one of those things where like sometimes I think, you know, the world is calling us to bow down and we have our brothers and sisters around us and we need someone there as soon as we start to bend that knee that's like, uh-uh, what are you doing? You know, get that knee back up. You're not, don't put that knee on the ground. Stand back up. We're not giving into this. We're not doing this. We resent that sometimes, but it's what allows us to continue to follow God faithfully when we have brothers and sisters at our side who say, no, you're not bowing, I'm not bowing, we're doing this together. And we need to allow that kind of accountability and that kind of love from our brothers and sisters in our lives because they are helping us to stand rather than to kneel. We need one another. The next thing is that being together allows me to double down on my convictions. Sometimes it's easy to say no the first time, right? It's easier to say no the first time. You know, I think about there are times in my life when I was alone and I was able to say, I was able to say no to something. There, there's one instance where I was, uh, I went to Bunker Hill, Illinois and there was this girl and she, no, you don't wanna raise your hand for this one, Chris. <laughs> Chris is like, yeah, Bunker Hill. <laughs> if Summer was here, she would be the only other person in the world who knows where Bunker Hill is. So, uh, you know, and so I go to Bunker Hill and there, there's this girl that I went there with and we go to this girl's house and both of them are very attractive. And long story short is I get there not ex- understanding I was kind of naive. And the next thing I know, they're trying to have a threesome. And I'm like, no, not doing that. The first time it was easy to say no. On the ride home in the car, it wasn't as easy to say no. And I gave in to temptation. And the thing, that, the thing that you need to understand is that when we are alone, it's, in, in, it's difficult to stand up. And you might be able to say no the first time, but what do you do when the barrage continues? See, having people by our sides, being together allows us to, to double down on that conviction. Daniel 3, verses 15 through 17 says this. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music... If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. (laughs) Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And he knows what they're saying when they say that, right? They're like, go ahead, dude, put us in there. I'm not doing it. I'm not bowing. And, and when we're alone, sometimes that initial temptation you can say no to, but what do you do when it's like, no, but then if you don't do it, then you're gonna do this and this is gonna happen to you and all this bad stuff. And we start thinking about it in our heads and we're like, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should give into this. And 
we're fighting alone and we don't have brothers at our side who are able to say, you know, to balance us out. To say, no, we're doubling down on this conviction. We're not giving in. That's one of the reasons that you need your brothers at your side so that you're able to double down when things are so difficult. When you're thinking about giving up, when you're thinking about giving in, when you're thinking about doing the things that you should have never done, that's when you need people more than ever. Don't try to deal with these things on your own because eventually your knee is going to bow. See, being together inspires confidence. It allows me to accomplish more than I could have done on my own. It lightens my burden. It helps me to stand rather than kneel. And then it helps me to double down on that decision that I've already made. And then being together brings comfort and makes uncertainty bearable. It makes uncertainty bearable and it brings comfort because look at what happens next in verse 17 of Daniel chapter three. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You see, they look and they say, you know what? They're standing together and they're saying, you know, God, we think God's gonna save us if you throw us into this fire. We think he's going to. But if he doesn't, there's the uncertain part, right? If he doesn't, he's still in control. And we're still not gonna worship and we're still not gonna bow. And being together allows us to face uncertainty together. It allows us to say, you know what? Yeah, I think God's gonna bring me through on this, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't do what I hope he's gonna do, I'm not gonna bow and I'm gonna stand shoulder to shoulder with my brothers in Christ and my sisters in Christ. See, when you're dealing with stuff in your life, we pray about things, right? And we want, we want God to step in and we want God to intervene, but we also know that we don't know God's will and we don't see with the same perspective he does. So some things we look at that we're like, God, you should do this. I hope you do this. And we beg him to do. There are times that God says, no, I'm not gonna do that. And that uncertainty of whether or not he is going to answer with the answer we want causes doubts and it creates fears within us. And sometimes because of those doubts and those fears that he's not going to do what we want him to do, it's easy for us to shrink back. But when you have someone next to you going, you know it's gonna be all right even if you don't get the answer that you want. Even if God doesn't deliver you the way that you want him to, he's still good. He still loves us. He still has our best interest in heart. And when we pray and we beg and we cry and that answer is different than the answer that we thought we were going to get, and our hearts break, how much easier is it to find comfort when you have people around you who are there with you saying, you know what, he's still good. We're, still, we're gonna make it through this. And there's a comfort level that you would have never experienced on your own because it's very difficult to, cons- to comfort and console yourself, right? But when you have someone next to you to put that arm around you, to hug you, to cry with you, to lay there with you and just beg God to help the hurt, whatever it might be, it's easier to deal with those things. Ecclesiastes 4.11 says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? You know, sleeping without a blanket in the cold is the worst, right? But man, it's so much better if you got somebody to cuddle up next to you, right? You know, it's like, to, you know, there's something about that comfort of having someone there right with you. You know, there are, there are companies that do that, right? You understand, you, you know that people there are, are professional cuddlers, I'm not kidding. 
they're, it's a real thing. Because people, and, and people, and, and they're very specific. Like, you can look up their websites, we, and they're like, we, nothing sexual, nothing, like, and what it is is they're appealing to the fact that people feel so lonely and don't have anyone else, that people are willing to pay to have someone come and cuddle with them because they're longing for comfort that they can't find. When you're in the family of God, you never need a professional cuddler, all right? Because you have the family of God to surround you and to love you and to help you make it through those times. They are there to help provide comfort in your life. They're there, they're there for you to lean on when you don't get that answer that you want. You see, bring, bring together brings comfort and it makes those uncertain moments much more bearable. Being together also adds God to the equation. You know, in Daniel chapter three, verse 24 and 25, it's hilarious because Nebuchadnezzar says, Nebuchadnezzar was startled. He's looking into the fire that they just threw them in, which by the way, the fire was so hot when they threw them in there, the people who threw them in there died because the, the, the heat was so hot. So they throw them in there and he's like, you know, he's looking in there and he's like, where are the crispy bones, right? He's looking to see what's left. And he looks in and it says, he was startled and he sprang to his feet. He asked his advisors, wait a minute, didn't we throw three men into the fire? That's true, your majesty, they answered. The king replied, but look, I see four men. They're untied and they're walking around in the middle of the fire and they're unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a son of God. See, being together, there's something about being together that adds God to the equation. You don't believe me, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. This one could not have been any more true than in that fiery furnace. And you see what takes place and he's looking there. He's like, there are four dudes in there. Something's wrong. Did one of the guards get stuck? You know, it's like, what are they doing? But they're walking around and they're unbound and they're untied. See, being together adds God to the equation. He looks at us and it says, when you're together, when you're unified, I want to be a part of what's going on. See, when you do it on your own, and you think this is about me and God, God's going, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, you're on your own, you're by yourself. And then you invite brothers in and sisters and you say, hey, I need this family. And God says, all right, I can be a part of this. This isn't a party. God says this thing between you and I thing that you think you have, this is not a party for two. I did not design you that way. I designed you for community and you need one another and I want to be there for you. But one of the ways that I'm gonna be there for you is I'm going to force you. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be committed to me, I'm gonna force you into a relationship with my people or you can leave me because you were designed to be with me and you're a part of a body. You're a part of the family of God and you can't have one without the other. See, being together adds God to the equation. And then finally, being together brings victory. Verses 26 through 30, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God come out. You wanna talk about changing your tune. Just a minute ago, the golden statue was the most high God, right? Just a moment ago, he was throwing them into a furnace and now he's like, hey dudes, come on out. You're awesome, you're the service of the most high God. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. This is weird. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched 
and there was no smell of fire on them. I can see him being like, these dudes don't even smell. What happened? You know, this is weird. And, and here they are and they're looking at them and they can't explain what just took place. They have no answers for it. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, and this is where the victory comes in, right? Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who was sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You wanna talk about a victory, everything changed. Everything changed. And you notice it doesn't say that I, that him, you know, it says they. They were together in this. And being together, locking arms together, involving God in that situation brings about great victory in our lives. God protects us from the things that were meant to destroy us. And then he does the same kind of thing that he does with Joseph. What was meant for harm is something that Joseph says, it was meant for harm, but look at the blessing that came from it after I was faithful to God. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who should have been dead, who were, who were they tried to kill for ignoring this God. Now he says, listen, everybody needs to know their God is the man. You don't say anything negative about their God. You don't trash talk him. You don't trash talk them. If you do, you're gonna, you're gonna be dealing with the king and then he promotes them. See, whenever we lock arms together and we lock arms to God, when we're together, God is able to bring about victory. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly bro broken. You wanna have victory on your campus? You wanna be unbroken? You have to be together. You have to learn how to be in relationship, intimate relationship with one another. You have to learn what it means to connect. You have to learn what it means to be vulnerable and honest. You know, I can't tell you how many times when the campus ministers talk to me and they're like, man, what are you guys doing that's making your campus ministry, what, what's making it work? And one of the things I always tell them is the relationships between our students are deep and intimate and close and they know each other and they're honest with each other and they're vulnerable with each other and they stand up for each other and they care for one another. There is a deep, deep love amongst our students. And they're like, man, I can't even get my students to talk to each other. God is not pleased with that. Do you understand that? That is not the way God designed it. You wanna reach the world? Show them something different than the family they grew up in. Because that's what they grew up around. They grew up around families who didn't know how to talk to each other or didn't care to. They grew up around families where people bailed on each other instead of sticking it out. They grew up with dads and moms who were un unable to stay around. And they look at their, our church family and they should see something different. And when they look at us and they see a bunch of disconnected individuals who don't really give a crud about each other, do you think that's something that draws them in? Do you think they would be like the king and they would look and say, hey, their God is the real God. Everybody should worship him. No, they look at us and they're like, just like everything else. 
And what they should be able to do is they should be able to look at us together and find, and we should find victory in reaching them because they look and they're like, if that's what togetherness, if that's what being a part of the body of Christ, if that's what being part of the family is, if this is what being together in Christ looks like, I want some of what they have. I want that kind of support. I want that kind of love. I wanna see that kind of confidence. I want someone to be able to share my burdens. I want to be able to accomplish more. I don't wanna bend to the pressures around me. I wanna be able to stand up. I wanna be able to double down on my convictions. I wanna be able to make uncertainty bearable and I wanna be able to find comfort in the difficult times. And I want God added to this equation and I want to surrender my life to Christ. I wanna be baptized in him. I wanna be raised in victory and I wanna go find somebody else to be a part of this family. That's what God wants for us. That's what God's longing for. What are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna be together in Babylon? Or are you gonna keep trying to do it on your own? See, weekends like this weekend are useless if you don't make some decisions. These weekends are called to make you come to some decisions about who you are, what you're going to do, who you're going to be in Christ. Don't let this weekend go by and go to all these lessons and not take these things and apply them in your life. Let's repent and let's do what God has asked us to do. Let's be together in Babylon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, again, I just wanna thank you for this weekend. God, for, for uh, bringing us together, God, a, a bunch of different ministries from across the country with a bunch of different people, God, you know, red and yellow, black and white, you know, or light brown and light brown and darker brown, as Mackie would say, uh, you know, but, you know, just God, different backgrounds. It just, it's so cool to know that we can be together, God, that we can, uh, we can be in you, God, and that you're able to bring about a confidence that we couldn't have without one another. God, that you want us to be able to accomplish more. That's why you've given us one another to help bear one another's burdens, to help each other stand up when we just want to kneel so badly. God, to help us hold on to those convictions through very difficult, uncertain time and comfort each other. God, we're asking you to be a part of the equation. We're, we're committing to being together, God, and we pray that you will be right there alongside us so that we can see the kind of victory that we've longed for on our campuses, God. Help us to be together uh, with you and with one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.